Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Baggies broadcast. I'm Luke Hatfield and as always I'm joined by two Albion know-it-alls here. First of all, Mr Matt Wilson, West Brom correspondent here at the Express and Star. Matt, how are you? Yeah, I'm good thanks. I've uh, just about finally recovered from my epic journey up and down the M6 on Wednesday night which was an absolute nightmare. Must have spent about 10 hours on that particular motorway getting up to Anfield and back. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tired, but I'm okay. What was the deal, mate? Traffic, weather, what was it? Traffic, I don't know, I don't know really. I mean, I, le- I left um, Warwickshire at two o'clock and uh, didn't get back till half two in the morning. So yeah. Ouch. Quite a long day for Matt Wilson. And we're also joined, as always, by digital journalist here and Big Baggies fan, Andrew Turton. Andy, how are you? Very well, very well. I am, I'm pleased that we've got the sort of... Uh, Christmas jumper, Christmas uh, wear, sort of memo. Yeah, Do you want to explain it, Luke? Not many other people have got this memo, I'm afraid to say, here at the Expressing Star. There, there's a little bit of tinsel about a couple of trees. Uh, today isn't meant to be official Christmas jumper day. Not seen many other than ours, Andy. I think we're wearing it well, Matt. What Basically, there? you two look like idiots in the in the office. <laughs> there's about 50 other people. No, Everybody's in normal clothes. And Luke and Turts have decided to come in in Christmas attire. This is... Uh, can you describe it, please? Oh, wow. You've got... Well, Turton's got a red shirt on, which has got lots of white little snowmen dotted all over it, all over the collar. I mean, it's pretty garish. Um, <laughs> and Luke seems to have, I don't know what that is. It's a, is it a an American sports team? It is. It, on a jumper? Matt, Matt Wilson knows this. It's, a, it's a, an ugly Christmas jumper based on a, my favourite NBA team, the Golden State Warriors. It's blue and yellow, not very Christmassy colours, but it's got a Christmassy design. There are a couple of trees, a couple of stars on there. Yeah. Nice. Um, so basically, they're the only two people in the office in Christmas jumpers on Christmas jumper day. Well, Everybody else is keeping it nice and professional. So. Yeah, well, we, we try and keep it festive. <laughs> we try and explain the festive spirit, <laughs> you know. After this week, we're more positive, so... Yeah, that's it. I mean, things going positively. Uh, I mean, it certainly wasn't positive. Uh, well, we've, we've, we should say we missed, we missed, we've covered two games since our last uh, podcast here. Um, and the first one was not a great one, was it, Matt? Uh, away at Swansea, it's a game where you think three points is n- not a must, but um, a hot high on the agenda, and they've come home with none. Yeah, it was a dreadful performance, and arguably one of the worst of the season. Um, harking back, I'm thinking about maybe Brighton away, Huddersfield away, it was up there with those, Southampton away. Really, really poor, and um, you know, it was a sort of game that made you think, OK, this could be a, a season, a really, really long season for Albion because after all the positivity of the nil-nil against Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. I know it was you know a nil-nil against the team that were bottom of the table, but you know they did actually have a go and it did look like it did look like they were gonna underpar you, gonna be a bit more attacking, and you thought the goals would come against Swansea. I don't know what happened, but all that belief just seemed to drain out of them. They were dreadful. I mean, Swan. It was a, it was a really really poor game. Swansea were not much better, but they were better, yeah. <laughs> and they passed the ball about a little bit. Um, they actually had some pace on the wings as well in Routledge and Dyer. Uh, I just thought Albion. That's what that was something that Albion lacked a bit of pace. You know, Pardew put Robson Carnu and and Sam Field on the wings, who I don't think should be out there on the wings. I don't think they're mm. wingers. To be fair to him, he noticed that problem at half time. Yeah. Took Field off and brought McLean on, and McLean had a good second half. Um, but no, all, apart from that, it was all um, an all-round poor performance. And you know, it, it, after that game, it, it was really concerning and really worrying about where where they would go because Swansea would, let's face it, won a dreadful run of form. They'd had, I think, they'd scored one goal, 
and won one point in the previous five games. You know, they were a club in crisis. Paul Clement was on the brink, and yet again, Albion couldn't beat them. You know, they looked they looked on that game like a team absolutely shot of any confidence, and more worryingly for me really lacking um, quality as well you know it's all very well being hard workers and, and, mm. and running around but if you haven't got the quality um, then you're not going to survive in this league so that was the concern there um, albeit Pardew did have quite a few of his best players injured mm. I must admit I was I was covering a number of games on the day um, and I was I was tuning to Sky Sports the, uh, the soccer Saturday and I think it was Charlie Nichols who was covering it and I must admit, he looked bored out of his mind watching some of the football. And he, he even said it was one of them games where you could see it was two struggling sides with players low on confidence. I mean, is, is this, is this uh, a real bump for Pardew now he realises the task quite on his hands? It probably did give him a real indication. I, you know, I've never been so disappointed, really, for, for months watching the Albion and seeing uh, such a tepid display, to, you know... Devoid of sort of any, uh, any you know, uh, any good points at all, really. And I, I think, yeah, I, if he hadn't realised it after two games, you know, of uh, struggling to score, you know, I think Swansea probably brought it home. I mean, it was incredible. Really. It, it was an odd game because it got to about the seventieth minute, and normally when you're writing a match report, the semi, that's when things really start to heat up because mm. you start writing your intro and you start thinking, right, okay, how am I gonna, you know, you, you've got maybe a skeletal idea of what you're gonna write, and you, you, then you start bashing away on the keyboard and I found myself almost absent-mindedly watching like the fans and watching other bits and I, it was that much, it was that sort of game where you just you, you start you for about five minutes you realize you weren't watching the game because there was nothing happening it was mm. so so poor um, and it didn't really heat up until the last few minutes um, after Swansea scored and then obviously Albion had to go out and try and try and get an equaliser and then Tammy Abraham missed that sitter at the end but yeah a dreadful game and afterwards Pardew said look that that does probably deserve to be nil nil and I, I, I tend to agree with him yeah do you reckon you reckon West Brom were worth a point in that one uh, at a push I always thought if anyone was going to score it was maybe Swansea just through my own sort of like uh, disappointment with the fact that we, we've been so poor in front of goal recently. It just didn't look like we were going to be anywhere close, and uh, you know it played out that way in the end. Sadly, I think nil yeah. nil would have been a fair result, but um, I also think Albion can have absolutely no complaints for losing that game because they were dreadful. Yeah, and then in stark contrast, I mean, it wasn't a, a game with goals, but the Liverpool game. I mean, it's nil nil, so it's a it's a good result, and. What's 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 changed in them in a matter of days? Uh, well, a couple of things. I think this Albion team, because of the way that they play, they seem to be a bit better um, against the bigger teams. Um, they're quite good at gutsy performances against big teams. You think about Spurs mm-hmm. at Spurs at Wembley, Arsenal at the Emirates. I know they lost that game, but they they they, they put in a gutsy performance, um, and then they they struggle to you know. It, it, exert themselves or, or influence games against the, the so-called weaker teams mm. um, so you always sort of felt that this might be a game where they could um, they could frustrate Liverpool and they but just I suppose as a team they played better there was more chemistry there mm-hmm. they seemed to believe in what they were doing they were I mean they were brilliant on Wednesday night almost to a man I mean apart from Alan Neal who had a bit of a poor game I thought mm-hmm. everybody was fantastic Higazi was absolutely immense at the back um, you know it summed up but in the in the injury time where he chased down Mohamed Salah who's mm. one of his friends by the way from, from their time in Egypt but also one of the fastest you know guys in the league 
slid in to win the corner <laughs> and then the corner comes in and who's there but Higazi to head it clear he yeah. was fantastic but it wasn't just him it was in front of him I thought I thought Gibbs was brilliant I thought Jakob Livermore and Krakowiak who I'm sure we'll come on to mm-hmm. um, were also fantastic I thought Rondon had one of his best games of the season mm-hmm. held the ball up really well there was one caveat to that in the fact that I don't think Lovren and Claven are, are two of the strongest centre-backs in the league <laughs> um, but he held them off really well um, Livermore looked good for me as well and McLean had a good game on the wing and, and Robson Carney looked better than he did at Swansea as well so Basically, to a man, they all improved. They all performed better. But also, there was a, there was a more team cohesion, I thought, more of a chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, there were players actually trying to get near Rondon when he had the ball. Um, there were Krakowiak was showing for the ball. Livermore was getting further up the pitch. I thought that that dynamic with Jakob screening, allowing Livermore and, and Krakowiak to get forward, worked for, for once. Um, they It was almost a strange um, Pulis-esque statistical performance. They only had 29% mm-hmm. possession. But they had more ambition when they were on the ball, and they certainly got forward when it allowed. You know, Robson Carney hit the bar. Um, they tested Carrius as well just after half time with mm-hmm. a few headers um, and, and, and a few um, a few efforts. So, yeah, a very encouraging performance um, from Albion against a team that were, has scored more than three goals a game in their last ten games. They were absolutely on fire. They were unbeaten in ten. So, yeah, very, very encouraging um, shutout, it has to be said. And it's mm-hmm. worth saying that Pardew's only conceded one goal in three games now, which isn't bad. Um, albeit, obviously, the issue is that now they need to score at the other end. Yeah, this, these aren't the type of results which you envisage Alan Pardew really being associated with, especially from his previous spells. You normally consider him of a more attacking manager, like, will score more than you, so to speak. But it's all, it's all a bit different at the moment, isn't it? He provided the guts to the, the you know, to the performance. I, I, I was pleased. It, it seemed like he'd been able to galvanise the team a lot better this week uh, in midweek, and um, I, I, that's why I love watching the Albion so much. Really, you know, you can have a chronic performance on the weekend, yet just a few days later they turn in something that is full of passion. You know, led by people like Agazi, you know, and Rondon up front. You know, they've really battled for that result, and it was so. Pleasing to see that sort of level of commitment to uh, to the cause. They've got their backs against the wall. They've come up, you know. They've had some difficult results along, you know. Obviously, the longest run that we've had now without a win, and uh, it needed something to show the fans that there was still some uh, something behind the scenes that was going to, uh, you know, maybe salvage this season a little bit. And that's what just inspired you a little bit uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, I mean, uh, midweek uh, that um, that you know could hopefully you know, give us some uh, positivity going forward. Going back to the point that you said about Pardew, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, he, he even said afterwards that he's come to Anfield before and been a bit more ambitious, but because of the run they're on, you know, it's 16 games now without a win, and that is the longest that any Albion side in 140 years has ever gone. Mm. Um, and because they're shot of confidence, and because the league is so tight, and because he hasn't got his attacking players all fit, he said, look, I have to do the best with what I've got. And so we have to play this this particular this brand of football, which is maybe a little bit more associated with Pulis. Mm-hmm. But I would say that there were flashes of uh, of endeavour and ambition, um, even even at Anfield. Um, you know that probably wouldn't have been seen under Pulis. Um, so you know I, I agree with you, and he's almost admitting this is not really me. Mm-hmm. But we've got to grind our way to get out of this, and then when the attacking players come back. 
then mm. maybe we can be a bit more expansive. But at the moment, with what I've got, this is how we've got to play. And at the moment, you know, until I, my methods take hold on the training pitch, this is how I've got to play. Mm. So I think he's going about it in the right way. Slow and steady evolution, waiting for the right players to get there, playing, um, using what he's got with his squad, not going too gung-ho, because if you did that at Liverpool, they would just pick you off. You know, mm. you even saw it in the game when the, when the Alvin grew in confidence a little bit and tentatively started to come out of their shell a little bit. That's when they left more gaps in yeah. behind and Liverpool started to threaten a little bit more. But I thought on the whole, they managed Albion managed it really well. You know, they were they were strong and disciplined when they needed to be, and they came out of their shell at the right moments when they needed to be and threatened in the right numbers. I thought fair play to Pardew, we got it spot on. Mm. Do you reckon Albion were fortunate to escape with a point? I mean, the the, ham, the, the handball which Solanke's been pulled up for uh, for his goal, which was ruled out. Do you reckon that was a a fair decision? But do you reckon West Brom kind of earned that luck as well? Well, they definitely earned that luck, and they've been they have been unfortunate, in, you know, in um, in previous games, and they have conceded late on as well. And whether that's down, that's probably down to a mixture of of luck and also a mixture of um, nerves and and you know. And them switching off and and, and, and other things, um, they definitely earned that luck with the performance. I thought Solanke. It's hard. I saw a replay on the night about three or four times. And I still couldn't tell mm. whether it brushed his arm. I think it did brush his arm, and I think it did um, crucially divert the ball um, at that after it hit his thigh, mm-hmm. divert the ball into the goal. I mean, if it hadn't have brushed his arm, it may have got. Gone, gone wide or, mm-hmm. or gone or, or hit the post or something. So I do think it was the right call. And, and, and Pardew said afterwards it was a brave call for the for the officials to make in front of the cop. And it was because you know on first glance from where I was sitting it looked like it looked for all the world like a goal. Mm. Um, but fair play to the officials for getting that one right. I think I think it did just brush his arm. I mean I. I I haven't seen anyone come out from Liverpool afterwards saying, oh no, it was an absolute disgrace. I mean, even mm. Klopp didn't say that. He said, look, I, I, I can't tell. Uh, he was still probably annoyed about the, uh, the Merseyside derby, to be honest with him. Did you hear his interview after that? <laughs> I did hear his interview after that, yeah. And, and you know, he it was funny because he said, no, I'm, I'm always going to rotate my players. And then, he, and then he played his big four, or mm. the fab four, as, as they're known up there in Beetleland. Um, but yeah. <laughs> He, he, but Albion shut them out and credit to them you know, Mane was so quiet Salah was the one that looked dangerous Mane mm-hmm. was quiet Firmino could have scored in the first half Coutinho was pretty quiet by his standards so yeah fair play to Albion it was a fantastic uh, performance and I, I think you know you do need that little slice of luck sometimes I'm not saying I'm not saying it was lucky that the goal was ruled out mm-hmm. but you know sometimes those don't go for you Yeah. so you do need that when you're when you're fighting for every point down at the bottom yeah, and you did say that Alan Pardew was looking to slowly introduce his methods. Do you think this is a matter of introducing them on the training pitch, but also almost crawling to—I would say crawling—getting to January and then being given the option to bring in some of your own players? Well, he's got to—he's got to sell players before he can get any, before he can buy any, because Albion are at the the limit of their wage bill. Mm. Um, you know, I suppose the question is: Do you do you sell Johnny Evans? And use that 30, 35 million mm-hmm. um, to, to finance, you know, another defender, a replacement centre-back and maybe an attacker. Uh, that I think that will be the, the big talking point of this January. I think we mentioned it last week, looking at looking forward and seeing what results are going to come uh, out of the next sort of Christmas period, really. And I think it, that will be a key to whether he feels maybe he can let Evans go. Um, if 
they can battle to a couple more results. Uh, we've spoken about sort of Everton games coming up and other games, you know, that they can potentially uh, eke results out. If if that's possible, then that that may, uh, you know, and it, you can slowly move away from the uh, from the bottom three or, or just the cusp of it. Then that might give him a window to say. Well, right, we'll let Evans go, but I think it's got to be the right price. And uh, you know, I wouldn't be—I don't think the club would even rush into that decision really without, you know, buckets of cash being drawn up to the Hawthorns. I think. Well, it's n- not so much the cash; it's more about the replacements because there's no point having money sitting in the bank and having no defenders. Mm. You know, Dawson is still coming back from his injury. I mean, he's making good progress, and, I'm, and knowing him, I'm sure he'll come back because he is a fitness fanatic. I know he'll come back, and he'll probably be fine. Um, but he's still it's still a bad injury that he's had. Um, McCauley is 38 now, so you know. And I, and I thought, although he had a good season last season, I did think at times he, he did look a bit slow. Um, Do you think there's the any scope to see whether they would, uh, you know, potentially let Evans go and just rely on Hagazi and McCauley and Dawson? I think that would be a bad idea. Mm. I think that would be. Uh, yeah, I don't think they would. And want just to do use that. the money for other players further forward or strikers. You know, everyone's or, spoken about. Well, no, or, I think that would be a bad idea. I think you ne- you can't rely on three centre backs because you're you are one injury away from being down to the bare bones, and you're two injuries away from disaster. And even though Neom can play centre back, I don't think that's a good idea personally. No, no. no. And I think, um, and, and you know, Jet Livermore as well has played there before, but again, he's not a natural centre back. I, I think if you sell Evans, you have to replace him with a centre back. I mean, you could get a you know a younger guy in uh, for fifteen million, and then you've got fifteen million in the bank to, to spend somewhere else. But yeah, I don't think you want to sell Evans without knowing you've got someone lined up. Yeah, Ben Mee was one man who was uh, linked. Do you reckon you'd take him, or would he, would he even be? <laughs> well, you definitely he, take him, but I don't know if he'd come. You know, yeah. what, Burnley are what fourth, fourth fifth, what, whatever fourth they are. Or fifth, no. You know, I don't, I, I think. Um, as much as I, you know, Albion are a big club, and we've said it before on here, and it's a great, it would be a great club to join. Why would you leave Burnley mm. at the moment? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, he's certainly, he's certainly uh, done well with Burnley. I'd, to be completely honest, I wouldn't know what his transfer value would be, especially in January, because you see them inflated prices. Pretty high. Because if you sell in Evans, say you get thirty million for Evans, Burnley might sit there and say, "Well, we want twenty-five for me," and then you suddenly sat there with five million in the bank and. I mean, is it an upgrade? Well, this is it, yeah. At this stage of the season, just just for the sake of it, it would just feel like a bit of a panic situation, really. I, I don't know. genuinely don't see Burnley selling Ben Mee. Me and Tarkovsky have been so crucial to them this season. Um, and they're on a fan- and I don't see him wanting to leave. They're on a fantastic run. Um, they could finish in a Europa League spot this season. You know, mm. why would why would he leave that to come and have a relegation um, battle? Yeah, it's a good good question uh, and one which you'll probably uh, think about if he is linked away uh, in January. Uh, like you said, you did touch on Krakowiak um, and Gregor Krakowiak, he, uh, he came in for the game against Liverpool and um, he seems to have convinced Alan Pardew that he's, he is the man for that midfield or at least one of the men for that midfield. Yeah, uh, I mean, he did, did himself not. He did himself a lot of favours on on Wednesday night. You know, I think Pardew, based on what he said so far, I think he's a massive fan of Gareth Barry. Um, so whether Krakowiak, you know, keeps his place when Barry returns, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I, I thought Krakowiak was up there with 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 Rondon and Higazi as, as possibly one of the best performers of the day. Mm-hmm. I think he. I mean, I've written a piece actually for for tomorrow's paper about this, a comment piece about. 
he was he was chased by Pulis, um, but the Pulis style didn't really suit him. You know, mm. he played at Sevilla and he played at PSG, two teams that, um, you know, in the Spanish league, they like to keep the ball and recycle the ball. And he always likes to sort of shuttle the ball in, in his own half between the between the defenders and, and, then, and then try and... It's a possession-based game, basically. Mm-hmm. And so often under Pulis, he saw the ball clipped over his head, and he became frustrated towards the end of his uh, towards the end of Pulis's tenure. And uh, I think he did look dejected. That being said, I think there's a very good player in there somewhere. Mm. Out of possession, he's one of the best in the in the in the team. He's fantastic. He gets more interceptions, you know, per minute than, than a lot of players. Uh, more tackles per minute than mo- the majority of players as well. I think only Alan Liam's got a better rate than him. Mm-hmm. So he wins the possession back more than anyone else. Um, him and Hagazi top that list. Um, so I think he's good out of possession. I think in possession, we've, we've, we saw at Anfield how good he can be as well, especially in tight spaces. You know, He's got that mm. ability. The only other person I can think of with that ability in this team um, is James Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Chadley as well when he's on song um, but he's got that ability in tight spaces to really keep the ball and, 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 and maybe wriggle three, wriggle free of two or three players and that's crucial especially if you do that in your own half and all of a sudden you're away mm-hmm. um, and we saw little glimpses of that at Anfield he lost the ball a couple of occasions doing it um, but he also you know, managed to, managed to get, get free a few times so it's, it's, um, it's almost a dangerous style of football. It's more of a Spanish style of football than, mm. than, than perhaps we're used to here at, at Albion. But it's one that I think will be more suited and better suited to Alan Pardew than it would be Tony Pulis. You know what we said earlier about Pardew yeah. not necessarily playing the, exactly how he wants to play right of this moment. But I think moving forward, Krukoviak could be the linchpin, um, that, you know, that midfield linchpin that, that, that when Pardew wants to play a more expansive style he could be important to that. Yeah, do you agree with that? Yeah, I I thought it was really good. It was interesting how he was... um, You're always going to get these occasions where he may play a a, a slightly bad pass or or something like that, that you might just lose possession. But I think it's nice to have a player in there where... You know, you can almost forgive that a little bit because you, for the rest of the time, you're going to have, uh, you know, him creating play and him sort of being involved all the way through. I thought it was a nice mix between Jakob and, and Livermore and him. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been sure totally with Barry uh, throughout certain games. I, you know, his experience is vast and it's a, it's a great asset to the to the team. But I, I just thought it, it allowed people to have a bit more specific roles on Wednesday. You know, Jakob was your enforcer. You had Livermore who was playing, you know, uh, back and forwards between the t- between attack and defence. And it, it was just allowing Krakowiak to maybe see the play and sort of pick his passes around and, and mix it around. I just thought the mix was quite good. Obviously, it's probably not going to be the way it will stay, you know, because Barry is, like you say, he's important. I think Pulis will, will want to bring him back in. But, you know, I, I like the mix and I think it allowed us to see the best of Krakowiak a little bit. Certainly I'd the best so far. Anyway. I'd agree with that. I think Barry has been brilliant in some games and poor in others. I think he's been inconsistent and I think that's probably not anything to do with his quality it's probably more to do with his age Yeah, um, I, mean, I don't remember you know he wasn't playing in it week in week out for Everton he was occasionally off the bench is that well amazing? he wasn't last season but the season before he was I mean I don't know I, 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 as I say he's, he's been fantastic in some games you know you, you think back to the Burnley game and, yeah. and the Spurs game as well you know he's, he's, he's been brilliant at times in other games he has been poor but then again I suppose so is arguably Krakowiak. I mean, yeah. and Livermore as well. Livermore's playing well at the moment, but you know he has been poor at the start of the season. I do agree with what you said about Jakob, though. I think he he frees up 
by playing that sort of holding midfield screening role, he frees up the other two, whoever it is, to get forward a bit more. And I think maybe Livermore and Krakowiak like are better suited to that than Barry. Yeah. Just maybe purely by their age, more than anything else. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would agree with you on that one. I think there was a better balance to that midfield three, that much maligned midfield three um, on Wednesday. Um, and I also thought that Krakowiak getting on the ball and playing those nice little passes... Breeds confidence in the likes of Livermore and Jakob. I, th- I thought Jakob was showing for the ball more on Wednesday, demanding the ball off, say, Alan Neal, and saying, Look, trust me, pass it inside. Whereas in the past, that risky pass inside would not have been made. It would have been clipped up the line to the to the winger or the forward, and actually Jakob wouldn't have been showing. Whereas I think when he sees Krakowiak doing it, he thinks, OK, so he's not getting a bollocking for it. OK, cool, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And even though he may not be as uh, creative or as, you know as adept in possession as Krakowiak is he's not a bad player let's let's no, let's no. be honest and, and he, he is he there's a reason why he keeps getting back in the side you know he's fantastic off the ball of course he's great in the tackle but he's not horrendously horrendous on the ball so yeah I think I think um, I know what you mean about that sort of balance in there it's an interesting one but part, as I've said Pardew does seem to like Barry so mm. well, it'll be interesting to see if he's available on Sunday uh, which we it's hoped he will be where they go with that Mm. So we'll move on. We've got a couple of questions. We'll get a squeeze a couple of questions in. Uh, we'll, push, we'll push for time today, but we'll squeeze them in. Uh, one question from uh, Spencer George. Um, he's asking, are there any truth uh, in the rumours which he, he says have been discussed regarding uh, Nigel Pearson and Craig Shakespeare actually being favoured for the managerial role following Pulis's sacking? I don't know if you've read into this too much, but he did, he did mention that uh, the compensation fee would be was what turned Albion away, really, for Pearson. What, from his Belgian Division mm. 2 club? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think there would have been that much. It's, you're, not, you're not getting him out of a, a Premier League club. Mm. Um, I don't think there would have been that much compensation fee for that. I mean, Pearson's career is one that needs rebuilding. Um, I, don't think, I don't think that would have turned them off mm. um, if, that was the, if that was the route they wanted to go down. You know, I think Pardew's name was the name that was quite quickly... Um, the main one in the job. Now, this doesn't mean that he was the only person considered. I'm, sh- you know, we know that they considered other people. Mm-hmm. Spoke to quite a few people. You know, phoned up. Very, I mean, they, it, would, it would be they wouldn't be doing their due diligence if they hadn't spoken to as many people as they could. So, yeah. I would be surprised if they didn't speak to Pearson um, and hadn't called him up because they wanted that Premier League experience. And, and obviously, he knows the club. Um, but it became quite apparent quite early on that Pardew was the main name in the frame mm-hmm. um, and I think that had more to do with the fact that he was highly recommended by Nick Hammond mm-hmm. who knew him at Reading but also played um, what was deemed to be a more exciting brand of football um, whilst also give, almost giving that sort of guarantee of experience in the league and you've got to remember that he's got much more Premier League experience than Nigel Pearson you know yeah. this is his fifth Premier League club um, compared to Pearson who you know, did okay with Leicester. I mean, did very well with Leicester to, to guide, I suppose, to guide them to uh, to safety. But um, that year, and then obviously set the um, set the uh, foundations for that remarkable season under Ranieri. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know, Pard- I'm sure they spoke to Pearson, but I don't think compensation would have been a sticking point. I think Pardew was um, was probably always preferred um, because of a number because of the reasons that I've just said. Mm. And uh, Graham Scott, he he asks a pretty simple question: How many do we need in January? How many do you need? Yeah, how many players? 
are needed. I don't think I don't think the squad needs any, if that makes sense. I don't think they need any additional numbers. I think they've got enough numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, albeit, you know, they've had a few kids on the bench recently because of um, injuries. I I just think they might need um, they might need they might need a striker, but. Mm-hmm. You know, that being said, I think we we yet to see the best out of Rondon and Rodriguez, and hopefully, when the likes of Chadley and Morrison return and, and Phillips, we might actually start to see the best of these attacking players. So I I would hold fire on how many they need at the moment. You know, when everyone's fit, I don't think they need anybody, but mm. it depends on injuries and things like that. So no, I think when you've got maybe Brunt, Phillips, everyone's sort of back in. Like, I agree with Matt. Really, I think you're going to see, but uh, hopefully, the the supply to the to the forwards be be a lot. Improved, and I think you might you might actually be presently surprised of it. Mm. All right, so I've prepped a bit of a segment for you. We'll run through this one quickly. Um, uh, it's another alliteration one. This one's called Pardew's Prezies, and I've actually brought a Christmas hat. Oh wow! wow. Uh, I'm going to act as Santa Claus. I'm going to offer you two. You've got the beard, to be fair. Yeah, yeah it's not quite white enough. But no, give I've, it time. <laughs> yeah, give it give it a couple years, a couple. Decades, give it a few maybe. more stressful podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, so basically, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to offer you two gifts uh, a, a go, uh, and you have to pick one for Albion. So if I was to offer, let's let's say this one is an example one here. Uh, I'm going to reach into my sack. I've got I've a de- my uh, my sack of presents. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just to clarify, oh, is that for me? Don't want to get. I've got either a transfer for Danny Ings or Benikafobi. Okay. Which would you take, and why? Um, can I say neither? <laughs> you can, you can. I can give you. A, I can give you. I take it. I take Kings. I take Kings. I mean, I'm, you know, you, you you don't quite know what you're going to get when you open the presents because I mean, you could get the Danny Ings of Burnley, or you could get the Danny Ings that's sadly been sidelined through yeah, series yeah. of bad injury problems. You know, like, so you like could a, get uh, like a dodgy toy you open, yeah, which doesn't quite work. You could, yeah, you could enjoy the packaging, but when you actually get to play with the toy, it's probably not worth it. So. Ings, yeah, Ings is probably above a phobia, yeah, in terms of quality and, and potential. But, um, but as Turt says, his injury record is concerning. Mm. The, the phobia thing, do you reckon the Wolves link kind of makes it harder for Albion fans? I think a little bit. Mm. Um, I think the link that he's just not—he's not consistent enough and can't can't hold always the place down in the Bournemouth team would probably be an indication that when he's yeah, that, that good for us as well. Yeah, that's more worrying, I would say, than than you know, any previous clubs he's played for. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go back into uh, my toy sack. I've got a new deal for Johnny <laughs> Evans or Nasser Chadley. Evans, Evans, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that's the gift that keeps on giving. Really, you know. Like that pun, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, one more. Uh, one more. I've got a 17th place finished with a cup semi-final, or a 10th place finished with a fifth round exit. I'd go for a cup semi-final, 17th. Yeah, so me too. What, uh, if, what if it comes to the last day? Well, then that'd be fun. Place well, then it'll be oh, brilliant, wouldn't it? We'll be boinging up and down. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I want the drama. Go yeah, for it. Yeah. Go for okay, it. so if it was like mediocrity for the last three games. No. I still go to I was, yeah cup semi final going to Wembley mm. 100% yeah. if you stay up you've got to be semi final every day of the week alright last one last one um, FA Cup fourth round opposition I've either got a local derby for you that's either you know Villa Wolves or or, or you've got a, a League 2 minnow who would you rather have in a fourth round should should Albion get through I don't know oh, I, don't know, I don't know if I want Wolves at the moment <laughs> I'll be a bit, yeah I'll be a bit worried especially going to the Molyneux but um yeah, um, I uh, I would go with 
Oh, no, I think there's something special about a derby, especially in a cup. I'd go for a little derby day. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Under the lights? Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> You're not convinced? <laughs> I'm not convinced. At least if they were at the Hawthorns, maybe, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, it could be embarrassing, to be fair. But, oh, no, nah, we'll yeah. go for a derby. Go for it, go for You've it. Got to back yourself. By yeah, the by fourth round, we'll be, you know, we'll be mid-table by then. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right, well, uh, I'm going to put the hat away now. We're going to move on. Uh, big game against Manchester United. That hat, by the way, was a really good um, segment in a podcast. We exactly, can't yeah. see anything. <laughs> the, the audio listeners will Maybe we could take a picture to add that to, uh, yeah. Yeah, possibly. To possibly it was when we want It was to. really nice. It was, it was, more, for, it was more for the, the festive feel. It was more for us. That's feel. That's nice. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. it was only for us. <laughs> <laughs> and the people walking by our, the, the bubble which we're in, uh, where, where we are recording right now. But no, we'll move on. Man United... Um, I mean, they've taken on Liverpool and they got they got a result out of it. They got a draw. They got a clean sheet as well. Can can Albion uh, take confidence from that performance? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think they definitely will as well. Um, whether it'll be enough to beat Man United, I'm not sure because you know they are probably up there with Chelsea as the second best team in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, Mourinho, I know he gets a lot of criticism, but he does tend to steamroll lesser teams quite quite regularly yeah. <laughs> you know they've scored four goals several times this season so it could that could happen again you know they, you can't get past their, their forward line you know the likes of Lukaku Martial and you know even Mata and uh, Rashford's done Rashford as, as well. well yeah like you can't it's going to be difficult but as you said that game against Liverpool will give them a lot of confidence and They've got to win at some stage because just by the law of averages. So yeah, why not? Why not have? Why not go for it and have a dream that actually we, we could um, we could turn over a Man United team who were poor in the in the derby, scraped by uh, midweek with a one 0 win. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a busy Christmas period coming up. They might just take their eye off the ball this particular fixture. Mm. Uh, so you never know. They're not clicking like. The, like the likes of Manchester City are, no. are they? And oh no, not at all. I, I think w- what we can probably take from the ga- from the Liverpool game and hopefully bring through to Man U that you know we showed that bit of extra composure on the ball. I know the possession the possession statistics doesn't really bear bear that out, but we did did seem better with the ball. And I think if we can just show that sort of level of uh, improvement, uh, you know, uh, we may may just have a chance. I'm not totally convinced we can get. A result, but you know, so long as there's a good, good level of sort of uh, performance, then I'll take it. I think as long as you're in the game by sort of 60, 70 minutes, I think fans will take that, and they understand, you know, how far and away the resources of these clubs are. And even though we're in an age where Albion have got more money than they ever have in the past, mm. um, compared compared to how much money United have got, you know, it's probably. It's, it's, probably the, it's probably a bigger disparity than it ever has been. Mm. So you've got to remember that. Um, that uh, it would be great to get, you know, even just a draw would be fantastic. Mm. Um, and it's worth saying that actually since Pulis left, you know, they, they've, they've drawn four out of five. So mm. you know, they haven't lost too many. So I don't know, it was going to be a tough ask, but if they, if they can... They play like they did on Wednesday. They've definitely got a chance. I suppose the question is: is can can Pardew afford to play like they did on Wednesday, where you where you do only have twenty nine percent possession? Because this time, obviously, you're at home. You're not at uh, at an Anfield or an Old Trafford, are you? I think if they play when they've got the ball, if they play like they did, I think fans would be fine with that because it wasn't twenty nine percent possession. We've got the ball. We'll just kick it into touch. It was twenty nine percent possession when we've got the ball. Let's use it sensibly. Mm. So. 
I think if they do what they did on Wednesday when they're in the possession and when they're out of possession as well, I, I don't think the fans would be too worried. Again, they're not idiots. You know, remember the Man City game, and I think City had something like eighty percent possession, mm-hmm. and Albion went close. And actually, that was seen as maybe a positive performance, even though it was only even though they lost three two. You know, it's it, it, they're aware of the of the inequalities, so I don't think they're going to be worried too much about this game. And it's worth saying that you know these gutsy performances against Spurs and City and Liverpool and United are not going to define Albion's season. The games that are going to define their seasons are the games against you know the bottom 14. And that's where they really want to see some progress. Um, so anything they get on Sunday will be a bonus. Yeah. You agree with that, Terz? Yeah, Do you reckon as a fan that you'd, you'd accept that kind of performance? Like uh, a 30% percentage? Yeah, I, because it isn't just... I've never been one that's absolutely wrapped up on needing to have tons of possession because I don't think that, you know... Possession's great, but it's ultimately what it's achieving, where the play is mm. going. You know, you can pass it around neatly and have 50-50 if you really want, but you know, if you're getting beaten two 0 there's no real differences if you have twenty percent or fifty percent. So, yeah, for, for me, I think they're going to be more. They, they look more assured, more composed on Wednesday. If they can take that into the Man U game, then I'll be happy. Yeah, do you reckon this is a game where players like Kovac, who we mentioned earlier? They, they need to step up because he is he's played big games he's been at big clubs is this a game where like you look to players like him to really step up yeah absolutely he I mean he did it at Anfield and if he can do it um, on Sunday you know their midfield I mean is Pogba back I don't, I, obviously I don't he's been in and out I mean I know he was he got that red card didn't he which was was that straight was, red yeah I believe I believe it was so he's probably still out then isn't he because mm-hmm. it's the third game I think of his three match ban yeah. I might actually might be back I don't know well we'll find out um, when I do my previews <laughs> <laughs> uh, make sure you uh, stay tuned to expressandstar.com <laughs> for that preview and when I will have found out if Pogba yeah, yeah. is suspended or not but you know if there's no Pogba you've got Herrera or oh, I think Krakowiak could probably give a good game mm-hmm. you know I mean it's the sort of game you'd think that everyone wants to perform well in. I mean, he's come to the Premier League wanting to play against exactly. that side. So. Evans as well, you know, against his former club. I think, you know, these are the games that Albion tend to raise in their levels for. So I, I, I think we'll see a good performance. Do you reckon there's a risk of uh, the likes of Lukaku coming back and raising his game further? I mean, he's coming for a bit of stick this season, Lukaku, but... It, it, I think scored he's been on Wednesday. Tr- I think he's been treated harshly, to be yeah, completely yeah. honest. Scored I a mean, fantastic goal Wednesday night. He does thrive off the service and, you know, like it or lumpy, he doesn't always get that service. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I suppose he's the biggest worry, isn't he? Unless, unless someone like Zlatan comes on and does what he did last season. Well, I think I don't. I don't think he's the biggest worry. I think actually Higazi and um, Evans will be able to keep him quiet. Mm. I think the biggest worry is probably the pace um, down the left hand side. Who's going to play there? Probably Rashford or Martial. Mm. And I think the last few games, as much as I like Neon, he has looked a. Bit susceptible, and he, he was the one. He, if you thought if Liverpool were going to score any, any by by any means on Wednesday, it's probably going to be down that flank. And I just think you know, Pardew is is giving his um is giving his defence more trust. He, you know, he's not making the wingers stay back as as extra wing backs. He's not telling them to double up. He's he's trusting his players to go one on one. Gibbs went one on one with Salah and did quite well, mm-hmm. um, and one on one with Mane did quite well. Neon not as good. So I, I I'm just a bit concerned about that. 
Yeah, I suppose I suppose the worry is, I mean, this is what Man United did at the start of the season, was they actually kept games fairly close until about 70, 80 minutes. And then when they made that switch where they either brought on Martial for Rashford or Rashford for Martial, that reintroduction of fresh pace is what really did bother teams. And I suppose that's one thing which Neon will have to worry about if he's, if he's playing right. The whole defence will. I mean, and as I've said, you know, pace is... Pace is dangerous, but pace with quality as well. I mean, which is what United have. Yeah, that, that's really dangerous. So, mm. well, we wait and see. You know, if if they if he puts together that game plan, a similar game plan to he did at Anfield, they've got every chance. Mm. And do you reckon Pardew might be uh, looking at this one, uh, but maybe have one eye on the game against like Stoke? I mean, the Stoke game will be one where Albion fans will be expect the way the way Stoke are playing, the form that they're in. Do you reckon he'll be looking ahead or no? I don't know because I think you've got to try and get. You know, we're in a position that we are. We need to get results week in week out, really, to pull ourselves away. And the only way that you're going to do that is by you know picking the best team that you think can do the job on the day. That's as simple as that. You can't you can't you know skip out a game. Mm. Um, and Pardew said as much. You know, before the Liverpool games, someone asked him, "Is the pressure off your team because you're going to Liverpool and they're?" big favourites and he said no not at all because mm. we haven't won in 15 there is so much pressure on us every single game regardless of the opposition and he's absolutely right and they can't they can't afford to just um, cry off a game just because it's against a big club they have to try and get yeah. every point because every point in this how tight the league is I think they're only four points off 11th mm. every game every point is as in, in the words of Pardew is absolute gold dust I think points and goals in the end if you really go into the wire at the end of the season you know you can't afford to get beaten really trashed at home four or five you know which is mm. what you could do if you switched off and you really let Manu run riot you know Martial or uh, Rashford has a great game you know they, they, they could really finish you so you've got to be careful and that would knock the confidence yet further and it just snowballs then so yeah no he's got to stick with it alright let's finish up with predictions uh, Andy I'll start with you oh, tough uh, game Tough but game. It, we may just lose by one nil. One possibly. nil. Yeah. You got a goal score for me? Uh, Lukaku. Yeah. Matt. Oh, I'd, I'd I'd love us to get a result. So I'm going to be an optimist after Wednesday, and I reckon it'll be another draw for the draw specialists of the league. And I'm going to say it's going to be a barnstorming 2-2 draw. Oh, that'd be nice. See, I, I've gone with something equally barnstorming, but I've gone with memories of. Yesteryear. 5-5. Five, 5-5. Five. Five, five. <laughs> Give me 5-5. Five, five. Alan Pardew. I can't Come imagine oh, I can't well. imagine Mourinho's team conceding 5, but you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah, well, you know what? That 5-5 five, five long lives five, in the memory. Five, if we, I, I can't, I actually, it. more to the point, forget Mourinho's team conceding 5, I can't imagine this Albion team scoring 5. They've <laughs> only scored 12 goals all season in the league. <laughs> if we score 5, they'll be using up all our Christmas presents at once. Against amazing. the second best defence in the league. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll go out there and say, if, if my prediction comes true, I will bleach my hair for the next podcast. Fantastic. For all the listeners to see. Yeah. yeah. Riyad Mahrez will be in the building. Yeah. But no, um, fingers crossed they can get some sort of result, but it will certainly be an interesting game. Um, so, well, thanks for joining us, everyone. I'd, I'd like to issue my thanks personally and with a Merry Christmas for those who are getting into the festive season. Um, well, we're going to do another podcast next week, aren't we? So yeah, we can do but, it next week. You know what? You know, it's, it's December. I wish everyone a Merry Christmas every day. Yeah. December, to be completely honest with you. It sounds insufferable. That's it. Yeah. But no, uh, thanks for me, uh, Andy. Thanks for joining yes, us. Yes, thanks, guys. Matthew, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>